Welcome, brave listeners, to another frightening tale. Please visit me at frighteningtales.com for more scary stories. Or if you've written your own, please submit it for a future performance. Today's story, Click Clack the Rattlebag, by Neil Gaiman. Before you take me up to bed, will you tell me a story? Do you actually need me to take you up to bed? I asked the boy. He thought for a moment, then, with intense seriousness, Yes, actually, I do think you do. It's because of... I finished my homework, and so it's my bedtime, and I am a bit scared, not very scared, just a bit, but it is a, a very big house, and lots of times the lights don't work, and it's a sort of dark. I reached over and tussled his hair. I can understand that. I said. It is a very big old house. He nodded. We were in the kitchen, where it was light and warm. I put down my magazine on the kitchen table. What kind of story would you like me to tell you? Well, he said, thoughtfully. I don't think it should be too scary. Because then when I go up to bed, I will just be thinking about monsters the whole time. But if it isn't just a little bit scary, then I won't be interested. And you make up scary stories, don't you? I know she says that's what you do. <laughs> she exaggerates. I write stories, yes. Nothing that's been published yet, though. And I write lots of different kinds of stories. But you do write scary stories. Yes. The boy looked up at me from the shadows by the door where he was waiting. Do you know any stories about Click Clack the Rattlebag? I don't think so. Those are the best sorts of stories. Do they tell them at your school? He shrugged. Sometimes. What's a click-clack the rattlebag story? He was a precocious child and was unimpressed by his sister's boyfriend's ignorance. You could see it on his face. Everybody knows them. I don't, I said, trying not to smile. He looked at me as if he was trying to decide whether or not I was pulling his leg. He said, I think maybe you should take me up to my bedroom and then you can tell me a story 
before I go to sleep. But a very not scary story. Because I'll be up in my room then. And it's actually a bit dark up there too. I said, shall I leave a note for your sister? Telling her where we are. You can, but you'll hear when they get back. The front door is very slammy. He walked out of the warm and cozy kitchen into the hallway of the big house, where it was chilly and drafty and dark. I flicked the light switch, but nothing happened. The bulb's gone, the boy said. That always happens. Our eyes adjusted to the shadows. The moon was almost full, and blue-white moonlight shone in through the high windows on the staircase, down into the hall. We'll be all right, I said. Yes, said the boy, soberly. I am very glad you're here. He seemed less precocious now. His hand found mine, and he held on to my fingers comfortably, trustingly, as if he'd known me all his life. I felt responsible an adult. I did not know if the feeling I had for his sister, who was my girlfriend, was love, not yet. But I liked that the child treated me as one of the family. I felt like his big brother. And I stood taller. And if there was something unsettling about the empty house, I would not have admitted it for worlds. The stairs creaked beneath the threadbare stair carpet. Click clacks, said the boy, are the best monsters ever. Are they from television? I don't think so. I don't think any people know where they come from. Mostly they, they come from the dark. It's a good place for a monster to come. Yes. We walked along the upper corridor in the shadows, walking from patch of moonlight to patch of moonlight. It really was a big house. I wished I had a flashlight. They come from the dark, said the boy, holding on to my hand. I think probably they're made of dark, and they come in when you don't pay attention. That's when they come in. And then they, they take you back to their, uh, not nests, um, what's a, a word that's like nests, but not? House? No, it's not a house. Lair? He was silent then. I think that's the word. Yes, lair. He squeezed my hand. He stopped talking. Right. So... They take the people, 
who don't pay attention back to their lair and what do they do then you're monsters do they suck all the blood out of you like vampires he's he snorted vampires don't suck all the blood out of you they only drink a little bit just to keep them going and you know flying around click clacks are much scarier than vampires i'm not scared of vampires i told them me neither i'm not scared of vampires either do you want to know what click clacks do they drink you said the boy like a coke coke is very bad for you said the boy if you put a tooth in a coke in the morning it will be dissolved into nothing that's how bad coke is for you and why you must always clean your teeth every night i heard the coke story as a boy and had been told as an adult that it wasn't true but was certain that a lie which promoted dental hygiene was a good lie and i let it pass click clacks drink you said the boy first they bite you and then you go all ishy inside and all your meat and all your brains and everything except your bones and your skin turns into a wet milky shaky stuff and then the click clack sucks it out through the holes where your eyes used to be that's disgusting i told him did you make that up we'd reached the last flight of stairs all the way in to the big house no huh i can't believe you kids make up stuff like that you didn't ask me about the rattle bag he said right uh what's the rattle bag well he said sagely soberly a small voice from the darkness beside me once you're just bones and skin they hang you up on a hook and you rattle in the wind so what do these click clacks look like even as i asked him i wished i could take the question back and leave it unasked i thought huge spidery creatures like the one in the shower that morning i'm afraid of spiders i was relieved when the boy said they look like what you aren't expecting what you aren't paying attention to we were climbing wooden steps now i held on to the railing to my left held his hand on my right as he walked beside me i well it smelled like dust and old wood that that high in the house the boy's tread was certain though even though the moonlight was scarce 
Do you know what story you're going to tell me? To put me to bed, he asked. It doesn't actually have to be scary. Hmm, not really. Maybe you could tell me about this evening. Tell me what you did. Well, that won't make much of a story for you. My girlfriend just moved into a new place on the edge of town. She inherited it from an aunt or someone. It's a very big and very old. I'm going to spend my first night with her tonight. So I've been waiting for an hour or so for her and her housemates to come back with the wine and an Indian takeaway. See, said the boy. There was that precocious amusement again. But all kids can be insufferable sometimes when they think they know something you don't. It's probably good for them. You know all that, but you don't think. You just let your brain fill in the gaps. He pushed open the door to the attic room. It was perfectly dark now, but the opening door disturbed the air, and I heard things rattle gently like dry bones in thin bags in the slight wind click clack click clack like that I would have pulled away then if I could but small firm fingers pulled me forward unrelentingly into the dark. Still with us, brave listeners? You've been listening to Click Clack, The Rattlebag, written by Neil Gaiman, whose story comes to us in part to a blanket statement allowing educators to share his stories with the masses. And yes, while I'm not an educator per se, the intent is still sound, sharing stories with you in an effort to make you want more. Now, since we still have time's blessing, let's dive into one more tale. This one called The Shadow Stare Back, written by Kay Border. The overhead light flickered out. The man watching it trembled. Only two more lights. The inhuman noises from outside the ramshackle hut roared, as if in celebration. George Henwin shook the dead bulb gently, silently begging it to come back to him. No, no, please. It was no use. The bulb had been burning for two months, 
longer than George had expected. Ever since the world was plunged into chaos by the shadows, he had relied on his collection of half-used bulbs to keep him safe from their shrieks and claws. The longer he lived, however, the more people he watched die at the hands of the monsters. He had tried to help, to save as many people as he could, but there was only so much room he could spare. He still remembered when his son, a wash-up in his eyes, strode out of their house, warding off the shadows and allowing George to escape into his small garage, where the light would be strong enough to keep him alive. Not a day went by that his heart didn't twist in agony at the memories. George was brought out of his train of thought abruptly by the feeling of shadows on his shoulder grabbing at his shoulder. He shrieked, darted from the dark corner he had been standing in. The shadows shriveled up and evaporated in the light, an angry hiss emitting from the darkness in the room. That was a close call. Too close, George thought to himself. He couldn't stay here forever. He was running low on bulbs, and the ones hanging were growing weaker with every day. He was holed up in this small garage. He rummaged through the drawers of his workbench, looking for a new bulb to replace the burnt-out one. But his search came up empty. No. He desperately searched again, but found nothing. He nearly cried. The bulbs hanging above rocked as the shadows shook with anticipation. A thousand voices crying in delight as George curled up into a ball. This was it. I'm going to die alone in this damn garage he thought to himself, with nothing but these shadows. He rested his hand on the floor, but it instead made contact with fabric. Looking down, George pulled a deep red backpack from under the workbench, the remnants of shadow falling off, along with two months' worth of dust. The pins were rusty, and the patches were almost unrecognizable, still George felt a rush of bittersweet nostalgia as he brushed his fingers over each one. Unzipping it, he pulled out a lantern, the one he used to bring on his camping trips with his son. A memory rushed to the forefront of his mind, the first time he'd gone camping with his son. Come on, Dad! George chuckled at James his only son, as he raced towards the campsite, his backpack bouncing with every step. The campsite isn't going anywhere, JJ. Slow down. He scooped the little boy up, carrying him to the fire pit he had set up the night before. Dad, can I go swimming now? After the tents are set up, sure. George dumped the contents of one of his bags. Tubes and wires came clattering together on the dirt. George shut his eyes, 
refusing to reminisce any longer. He flicked on the lantern, white light filling out the entire garage and spilling out the windows, shadows shrieking and writhing away. This was just what he needed. It was still as bright as the first time he turned it on, but he hastily turned it off at the warning beep. There was only about half a charge left. He needed to use it sparingly. He scoffed at his thoughts. Sparingly? The way I've been living for two months? What was the point of his discovery? It wasn't like he was strong enough to get others. Help? Find survivors? Hell, he didn't even know if anyone else was left out there. No, he was going to sit in his desolate garage until something killed him. Be it the shadows, starvation, or isolation. He rummaged through the backpack again, pulling out a few new items. A weak flashlight, an assortment of long shelf life snacks, and his son's favorite book. George flipped open the book and stumbled as pieces of paper spilled out and onto the floor. Photos scattered along with a note. Some of the letters on it had become blurry as if the paper had been left in the rain. He picked up the note, reading the date. June 20th, 2025. Three days before his son had been swallowed by the shadows. Dear Dad, I'm sorry it was never what you wanted me to be. The decisions I made, the arguments, the pain I caused you. There are things I can never take back. You were the best dad I could ever have asked for. I hope you don't blame yourself for whatever happens to me. We can't stay in the house. Keeping the entire place lit is hard and how fast our bulbs burn out. I've been fixing up the garage so we can move there instead. I know you love the house, but there's nothing left for us. If you find this after I'm gone, I want you to know that you were my light when I fell to the shadows. Love, you're JJ. Tears splattered onto the paper as George tried to, to wipe them away. He was too lost in his grief to notice the second bulb flicker out, leaving him almost completely in the shadows. When he did notice, however, his body refused to move. What was the point? He had no reason to live, no family or friends to keep safe, no wife to defend, and no son to protect. He could just wait for the last light to die and let the shadows overtake him and rejoin his son and whatever it was that waited after death. No. Even if he had nothing to live for, George would not die in a cramped garage, the stale air choking his lungs away. He stood up, shaking off the shadows creeping up his back. He gathered up everything back into the backpack and flicked on the lantern. He may be getting on in years, but he knew the city like the back of his hand. 
He was going to live his last day on Earth to the fullest he could. Slowly opening the garage door, George stepped out into the night, his lantern clearing away the shadows. Not bothering to close it, he walked away from the small garage. After a few strides, he turns, considers going back, but the last bulb, the only thing breaking through the shadows, flickered off, and the structure disappeared in the dark. There was no going back. He pressed on, the shadows whispering over his shoulder. About half a day of walking and the lantern's light was still shining bright, albeit a little dimmer than when George had left. He sat down on a bench near an old lake he used to frequent, the bench relieving some of his exhaustion as he chewed on a stick of beef jerky. He listened to the water swell and released gently, his light reflecting off the lake like the moon used to do. Looking up, he saw a light to the left of the lake. A teen sat on a bench looking down at their phone in tears, dripping down their face. He wanted to call out to them to offer his light, but something told them they wouldn't have taken it, that they were here for the same reason he was. The phone screen went black, and the teen disappeared. The sound of the phone falling to the ground reverberated around the lake. After he finished a few strips of jerky, he stood up and continued walking. Despite the darkness the world was plagued with, the stars still shone in the sky, clear as could be. They silhouetted the skyscrapers of the city in the distance. It was quiet, the wind blowing through the empty streets. Not a single bit of light. George stood for a moment quietly, contemplating. As he reached the center of the woods, George sat on the forest floor, the dead grass scraping at his calves. The lantern was running low, only 15% battery life remaining. He laid out everything left in the backpack, pictures of his family, his son's favorite book, and his son's final letter to his dad. Silent tears dripped to the ground as George finally allowed himself to remember his son's final day. Dad! James yanked the older man away from his room as the bulb went out, a lantern in his right hand. We can't stay here. The garage is safer. George shook his son's hand off of him. I'm staying here. I can't leave all of this. James grabbed George's hands, fear in his eyes. You have to. I can't lose you. His grip was desperate. Please, just meet me at the front door in five minutes. Grab whatever you can. George's stern gaze relaxed a bit, and he nodded to his son. Ready? James flicked on his lantern, letting light flood the barren yard. George hoisted up a box of bulbs, food, and photo albums and began to walk towards the shed. The wind was howling. The lantern swayed and shook in James's hand. When they entered the garage, George flicked on the overhead bulbs, James flicking off the lantern and putting it back into his bag and shoving it under the workbench. Taking out a flashlight, 
He looked around the interior and then turned to his father. I'm going to grab a few more things. Don't leave the garage. George didn't bother turning around. Fine. James shone the flashlight to his chest, feeling the breeze flow through his hair. He walked out towards the house. George turned and watched him walk halfway there. However, the wind picked up, knocking a tree branch into James and sending him towards the ground. George's heart pounded as he yelled to him, Get up! Just, just come back! It's not worth it! James got up, much to George's relief, but as he turned to face his dad, James's flashlight went out. The dust is swallowing him. George had spent an entire hour screaming into the shadows, desperately looking for his son. But he was gone. At least I can join him now. The lantern was barely shining. Only a minute of battery or two. George felt the shadows curling around his shoulders and snake around his ankles, as if trying to drag him away from the light. He could hear thousands of voices in his ears, howling and shrieking. It was ear-splitting, but he didn't dare cover his ears. His son's voice was among the cacophony of voices. Looking over the photos, he thought about everything he had lost to the shadows. His home, his wife, his family, his son. And now he was going to lose his life to them. But despite the cold breath of death breathing down his neck, George found that he was at peace. He knew he wouldn't be able to survive forever. Looking back on it all, he smiled. I'm ready. He looked towards his son's note, his final display of love for his father. He smiled, finally at peace. Dad's coming, JJ. He closed his eyes as the lantern went out, disappearing in the shadows. You've been listening to The Shadows Stare Back by Kay Border. Presented by Master Storyteller Mark Wilhelm. Oh, I do hope you've enjoyed these frightening tales. And if you should find yourself in possession of a frightening tale of your own that you'd like to share, then please submit it through FrighteningTales.com for a future episode. Only submit stories you own the rights to. To do otherwise is just evil. Do tune in again for another scary moment. If you're brave enough. <laughs>